0: Book of Change, chapter number one. I very, 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 very seldom find myself watching football, but whenever I'm, I never watch it at my house because I don't have direct TV or anything, but whenever I go somewhere else or I go to my dad's house, he's always got TV on, we we find ourselves watching football. When LSU's playing, we always root for LSU. That's a given. We're in Louisiana. We have to. Whenever Georgia's playing, I have my uncle and, and all of his family's diehard Georgia people, so... When Georgia's playing, I'll I, I root for Georgia. They're a good team. I don't mind rooting for a good team. When Alabama's playing, we root for whoever they're playing because I'm not going to root for them. But, but if you root for both Georgia and LSU, that, that's, that's no problem that, that's all well and good, but uh, but if I heard right, they play each other soon, and whenever, uh, whenever that game comes along, you, you can't root for both of them. You have to make a choice, you have to make a decision and that brings us into James chapter number one verse number eight. James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A lot of times in life, we don't know it, we don't realize it, we don't understand it until somebody has to show it to us. But we, we can become very, very, very double-minded people. And, and there's a lot of different meanings to this. James says over in uh, chapter number 4. Then in verse number eight, it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What it means to purify is to get rid of things you don't need, to get rid of the impurities, get rid of the things that aren't supposed to be there. So whenever we find ourselves being double-minded, we are split between uh, something that is good and something that is bad. We, we find our, our focus split, uh, not necessarily on something that is evil, not necessarily on sin, but on, on places that it isn't supposed to be this morning it turned out to be very cool for those of you that didn't know uh chances are the deer were probably moving early this morning before the wind started blowing once the wind started blowing it was over but chances are the deer were moving this morning and there were probably a lot of people that laid up in the deer stand instead of making it to church that laid up in the deer stand instead of bringing their kids to sunday school and uh while deer hunting is is all well and good there's nothing in the world wrong with it until we put it before god and then we become that double-minded person. We can root for Georgia and we can root for LSU, but whenever they play on the same day, at the same time against each other, we have to make a decision. Which direction are we going to go? Deer hunting is all well and good. Fishing is all well and good. Until we begin to put it ahead of God. James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I was very, very guilty of this in college. I was sitting in, a, sitting in the, um, what do you call it, the quad... And I was writing a paper for an education class. Doctor McCoy was my teacher. and Whenever he got finished, he he come. He said, "Hey, you was listening to Alan Jackson whenever you wrote this, didn't you?" <laughs> All right. He was playing on a big radio in the quad. I, I distinctly remember because it was really loud. And, uh, I ended up having to leave and go somewhere else to write the paper. I said, "Yeah, how'd you know?" Because he said, "There's lyrics in here." <laughs> As I was writing the paper, I, I, I would I would uh, I would hear what the song was saying and and. Just without knowing, without thinking, those lyrics would find their way into my paper. It, uh, up until that, it was a very well written paper, but that kind of kind of didn't help me out a whole lot. But we can find ourselves a lot of times not necessarily distracted, but split between something we love and something we really love. And whenever it comes down to to the choices that we make. We find ourselves being double-minded. Turn over, if you would, to Ephesians chapter number 4. We're going to do a pretty good bit of reading this morning. If you will, keep your Bibles open. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 22. Paul said that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. Whenever we get saved, there, there are two entities that dwell within each and every one of us. There is our flesh, which has been here since you know conception. And then there is God's spirit which dwells within us from the time that we get saved until, you know, forever. But those two are not always in agreement. And when I say they're not always in agreement, they're like trying to put two negative sides of a magnet together. They push against each other, and even if you get them to touch, if you turn them loose, they're gone. You're not going to touch a negative and a negative to a magnet together and turn loose and it stay there. It's just not going to happen. And that's the way that our flesh wars with the Spirit of God that lives within us. And to be double-minded is to try to listen to both of them, to try to do both of them, to try to do it all, to to try to please both of them, to try to be everything that you want to be flesh-wise, to try to be everything that you need to be spirit-wise, and you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. You can be a Georgia fan, you can be an LSU fan, but whenever they play for the SEC championship of the rain, you got to make a choice. And there's a right and a wrong choice. See, that's so what people keep telling me. Whenever it comes to the spirit warring against our flesh, there is a right and a wrong choice. And all too many times we find ourselves, we use words like, I want what I think my desire is. And what's wrong with all of those they're not pronouns. What do you call them? The I's and the me's and the my's. Thou's. Thou's. Not quite. That that's a pronoun? Okay. I thought she and, and her was pronouns. Okay. Whenever it comes down to, to making decisions in our life, whenever we begin to use all of those pronouns that, that's me and my and I, We're focused on the wrong thing. We're focused in the wrong direction. Paul said to put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put off the old man. The old man says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What did that rich man say in the book of Luke? He said, look at what all I have done. God blessed him with a good crop. Look at what all I have done. Look at what all I have accomplished. Look at what all I have built up. He said, I'm going to build new barns. I'm going to store them up. And I'm going to tell my soul, hey, chill out. You're good to go. Take thine ease. Thou has many goods stored up for many years. Take thine ease. A lot of times in my Bible, I'll go through and I'll underline all the I's. Because whenever we say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, we're, we're missing one very important point is that whenever we get saved, our life is no longer our own. We're not living for myself anymore. I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for the God that saved me. I'm living for the God who desires to use me. I'm living for the God who desires to get glory through my life. And if I start saying I and me instead of what God wants me to do, whatever God gets glory through in my life, that's, that's the direction I want to go. There's a poem. We had to learn it in school. Robert Frost wrote it. I don't remember the whole thing, but I remember the punchline. He said, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. The poem has nothing to do with church at all, but the point makes very good sense. He said, Two roads diverged in a wood, so there's a Y at the end of the road. And every day that we wake up and and we go out into the world, we have a decision to make which road we're going to take. We're either going to follow the flesh or we're going to follow God. We're either going to follow the way that God has laid out for us, the way that he will get glory in our life. We're going to start our day committing ourselves to him. Or we're going to say, I think I'm going to do everything but today. I'm not going to witness to others because I'm embarrassed. I'm not going to go out of my way to show love and kindness to one another. Well, I'm not going to do anything for them because they can't do anything for me. That's the mindset that our, our world is in today. If you can't scratch my back, I ain't no way in the world I'm going to scratch yours. And that's, that's, that's the way people look at it today. Flip over, if you would, to Numbers in chapter number 20. There's a couple of instances in the Old Testament. Were men were (coughs) double-minded. Children of Israel were double-minded in the book of Exodus. Moses went up to talk to God in the mountain. Whenever he came down, he saw these people bowing down worshiping a golden calf. Now they knew that they were supposed to worship God. They knew exactly what was going to happen. But because Moses had went up in this mountain, they said, hey, we're gonna revert back to the flesh. We're gonna revert back to the things that, that that these foreigners are doing next to us. What did God say whenever that Israel said, Hey, I want a king? Been talking about that in Sunday school for several weeks. Israel said, I want a king. The prophet said, Why do you want a king? Everybody else has got one. Well, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, ain't that what mom and daddy says? Well, God give them a king. And it was all downhill from there. It's- they, they were never the same. Their leadership was never the same. You read the, the lineage of David. We've been studying the, the book of Matthew on, on Wednesday nights. Went through the lineage of David. And there's a lot of kings in the lineage of David. <laughs> ain't very many of them good kings. Ain't very many of them at all. You go through the history of the Israelite kings and there ain't very many of them at all that were good kings. Go through the line of judges. There aren't very many of them that's bad. As long as they were focused on God, as long as they were following God's leadership, they were, were, I'm not going to say commanded, they were led by people who were led by God. But whenever they said, I want to be like everybody else, ain't that what everybody wants today? You watch something that's called trending. I learned that word last week. It's called trending. When something starts trending, then everybody starts wearing it. So when I was in school, it was uh, they called them tater shoes. Now they're called Birkenstocks. Like a $100 pair of shoes. Ain't no way in the world I was getting a pair of them. But everybody had them. Just one person started wearing them. It had to have been somebody famous. And then all of a sudden, everybody started wearing them. And then you see something else start trending, whatever it may be. It, I ain't a very trending person. But everybody wants to get it. Everybody wants to have it. So whenever you Google good Christmas presents to buy, the first thing that pops up, Brother Randy, is trending Christmas presents 2022. Things that people are buying because other people do, not necessarily because they need it. Things people are doing because other people do it. I recently joined as of this uh, FFA trip we went on. They had a a couple of contests we were trying to enter to win. You had to join TikTok. So I joined TikTok. And we made a TikTok with my, my FFA kids, and it was all in good fun, but they kept saying, they said, Well, this dance is trending. What's that mean? She said, Everybody on TikTok's doing it. I said, Well, why can't, why can't the Bible trend? Why can't Bible verses trend? Why can't modesty be trending? Why can't church be trending? Why can't Sunday school come back in style? Why can't Sunday evening service, Wednesday evening service, be something that, that people desire to be a part of? Why can't that come back in style? Numbers chapter number twenty, verse number three. The people choked with Moses and spake, saying, Would to God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness? that we and our cattle should die here. Wherefore have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. The people got hungry. Now, these are the same people that saw the Red Sea open up. These are the same people that walked across it in the dust and then watched the Egyptians drown. This is the same people that just a little bit before this Saw Moses hit a rock with a stick and a river of water come out of it. The same people. But they revert back to their old mind. They revert back to things that, that, that other people did, that other people thought. They revert back to everything but God. They said, we're thirsty. How are you going to bring us out here to die? God promised him he'd take care of them. God promised him he would lead them. God promised them that he would provide for them. But they said, why did you bring us up here to die? I wish we'd have died in Egypt. Don't they sound like us? We get a little bit hungry, a little bit thirsty. Something starts aching just to just wiggle. And we start saying, Oh, God, why'd you do this to me? Instead of trusting him. Sometimes the only way out is through. Whenever we get in a difficult place, whenever we find ourselves hungry or thirsty or whatever it may be, sometimes the only way out of it is through it. Sometimes the only way out of the fire, sometimes only the, way, the only way out of the trial, sometimes the only way out of difficulty is through it. Come on down. Verse number 7. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thy rod and gather the assembly of the people together, and Aaron and brother, and speak ye to the rock before their eyes, and they shall give forth water, and thou shalt bring forth uh, them water out of the rock, and thou shalt give the congregation their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Now Moses' mind was on the Lord. Moses' mind was on doing what the Lord had him to do. He knew what God said. He knew what was going to happen. Moses and Aaron gathered congregation before the rock, and he said to them, Hear ye now, ye rebels. Why must ye fetch uh, you water out of the rock? Moses got up here, and he saw the way the people were fussing and complaining and throwing a fit and acting a fool Moses got upset if we ever said or done anything out of anger that we wish we could have reached out and got back it don't work that way once those words leave our mouth ain't no getting them back once those expressions show up on our face ain't no getting them back either once we do things there's not an undo button there's, there's not a redo. There's no mulligans in the game of life. So whenever Moses stood up and he knew what he was supposed to do and he let everything else around him affect his decision. He let the, the way the people were acting affect the way he acted. He let the way the people were acting and the way they distracted him and their impatience and their ingratitude toward the Lord and toward him, he let all of that effectively ruin the rest of his life. Because he became, at this moment, he became double-minded. He tried to straddle the fence. He tried to pay attention to the people, listen to the people, and he was affected by the people so much so that he no longer stood on what God said. He no longer paid attention to it. He forgot it. You ever stood on one of them balanced beams? We used to go to the park all the time and they'd have a log stretched about here to there. And it was a balance beam. You go up on, uh, what was that place, Anakista in the mountains. They have a little trail, towards the same way. And that balance beam, you're supposed to walk from one end to the other. And you hold your arms out to steady yourself, right? And as you walk that balance beam, as long as you stay focused, you'll be okay. Most people have decent balance. But if you start looking around, I want you to try it if you've never done it before. I want you to walk a balance beam looking over here. Just walk, looking over here. And you watch how far you make. I want you to walk a balance beam while being distracted by everything else. Then I want you to get mad and I want you to try to run down it. Pretend like there's somebody at the other end of it you're upset at. And try to run down it and see how quick you slip and fall off. I need to put a disclaimer at the end of this. Say don't try this at home. But you will. If you're not absolutely focused in baseball my daddy always said keep your eye on the ball can't hit what you can't see keep your eye on the ball so coach jt had this little drill that we would do he had baseballs and on every side of the baseball he had a different colored dot so the catcher could see which dot you hit and whenever you hit the baseball you had to tell him which colored dot you hit and the baseball's spinning but you had to focus on that ball so much to the point That whenever that ball hit that bat, you could tell him, because for a brief moment, the ball stops moving. When it makes contact with the bat, the ball stops moving. And you had to tell him what color you hit. You had to be so focused that nothing else mattered. If you've ever played at St. Helena High School, they have a basketball gym that's down in a pit. You feel like you're in a cage fight. Way down in the bottom, the bleachers are way up high. And way down there in the bottom, nothing else matters. You can't even hear the people in the bleachers. You can't hear nothing. You're down below everything and nothing else matters. Franklin Junior High is just about the same way. You're way down in the bottom and nothing else around you, none of your surroundings affect you. Because you're alone. You're in the bottom. You're not distracted. Moses got distracted by the people around him. Moses got frustrated at the people around him. But there are people today that make you mad and upset to the point that make you lose your Jesus We had a a faculty meeting this past week. The principal, I don't remember exactly where she read from, but it was right along these same lines. The kids will react based on how you react. If a kid shows up with a wrong answer on a test and you say, you stupid, no good, sorry, lazy, dumb thing, why didn't you choose this answer? This is the right answer. How's a kid going to respond to that? How's an adult going to respond to that it ain't going to work out you're going to get a negative response nine out of ten out of ten times you're going to get a negative response from that but if you say okay let's look at this let's start over will you walk me through what you did and we're going to find out what happened the kid starts walking you through it i said you see anything wrong with it so well i could do this i said we'll try that and see if that gets you a, a better answer if you allow them to work themselves through it, if you approach it with positivity, if you approach it without degrading them, without downing them, without getting frustrated and flustered and mad and angry, because it's always the same four or five kids every time. But if you approach it without getting mad or angry or frustrated or, frustrated or flabbergasted or whatever it is, then their reaction is different. But instead of Moses standing up and keeping his mind on God keeping his mind on the goal, keeping his mind on speaking to the rock. I have no idea what he was supposed to say. But whatever Moses was supposed to say to the rock, he didn't say it. He ran back with that rock and he hit that rock. You ever seen somebody throw a bat at a baseball game? They get frustrated, they get flustered, they come in the dugout and boom, and they throw a bat. That kid got thrown out last year, left field. Struck out, bad call, nothing he could do about it. But he came in the dugout and he threw his bat upside cage. Umpire said, you're out of here. You're gone. Turns out in the rule book it says if any player throws a piece of equipment while on the baseball field, you are ejected from the game. He got thrown out. Made me put a 7th grader in right field, left field. The next ball that was hit bounced over the 7th grader's head. We lost the game by one run. This kid got threw out of the game because he let something he had no control over he let something that he could not change affect the rest of his season. And it changed it. It changed everything. That play changed everything. And for Moses, it did the same thing. Verse number 11, Moses lifted up his hand with his rod. He smote the rock twice. Water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and also their beasts. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the air, and because you believe me not to sanctify in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given to them, because you have hit the rock, because you got mad, and you reared back, and you you fussed at it, hit it with a stick. He said, because you were not focused on me, because you were double-minded, because you was focused on them, because you were trying to be both in flesh and in spirit. We find ourselves doing that sometimes, don't we? We try to be in the spirit. sometimes we get a little of flesh too I got a pair of socks I was giving out as Christmas gifts last year and I'm not going to tell you who I was going to give it to but I seen a, a towel hanging in their house that had this same thing on it and the socks said I love Jesus all the way around it around the top it was really cute socks but then on the bottom it said but I cuss a little we can be in the spirit we can stay in the spirit But we have to be singular minded in order to remain there. We can desire to be in the Spirit. We can desire for God to use our life. We can desire to be an instrument for His work. But we have to stay there. And that's what takes work. That's what takes practice. Whenever somebody mistreats you. Whenever somebody does you wrong. Whenever it's a really good time to get mad and angry. I almost got run off the road on Mount Pleasant Road three times on Friday. I was leaving school. And it's less than a mile from the highway to where the school is at. And I pulled out and three different vehicles almost run me off the road. And you know what they had in there? Left hand? The telephone. They were texting and driving. So you know what I did? I blowed the horn at them. All three of them. Over here in the ditch. Okay? In the ditch. Trying to avoid a mailbox. I blowed the horn at him. Guess what? My horn don't work no more. Now instead of a a real truck horn sound, it makes it That's what it sounds like. It sounds like a high pitch. God is punishing me because I got upset at them people. I got frustrated. I could have run off the road and wrecked because they had to send a text message. I had no right to get upset. No right to get mad. No right to blow the horn at them. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 10. I'm going to draw it toward a close. Look at 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 10. We're going to begin in verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the God to pull down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having the readiness of revenge, all disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled, do you look on the appearance, excuse me, do you look on things after the outward appearance If any man trust in himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For I should not boast somewhat more of our authority which the Lord hath given to us for our edification and not for your destruction, that I should be not ashamed. In and of ourselves, we cannot control our mind just like we can't control our tongue. We're going to think, when somebody's on their phone, we're going to think road rage. They're going to try to run me off the road. I'm going to turn around and go get them. That's what we want to think. We want to think somebody's going to slap me. I'm going to slap them. You kill my cat, I'm going to kill your dog. And eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Ain't that what the man said? And eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. He said... For we are not ourselves, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this in and of ourselves. We can't do this not reading our Bible. We can't do this not going to God in prayer. We can't do this... Not going to church. We can't do this not gathering together with other believers. We can't do this not communicating with God. We cannot live a singular minded life. Focused on God. Focused on his work. Unless we actually focus on God. And focus on his work. Because even though it's a pretty day to go hunting. It's a pretty day to go to church. Even though it'd be a beautiful morning to be on the water. It's a beautiful morning to be in the Word. I pray to God that we find ourselves here more often. I pray that we find ourselves in the Word of God more often. I pray that we find ourselves communicating with Him. Talking to Him. We have a lot to pray about, church. We have a lot going on. We have a lot coming up. We have a lot of people that we need to reach. We have a lot of folks that we need to pray for. We have a lot of things going on. And we can't do that if we're focused on everything that I want to do and everything that I'm involved in, and I'll get to the church stuff on Sunday and Wednesday. That's how a lot of people view church. They live their life in two different directions, one of which is Sunday's, which is God's day. Or no, just just Sunday morning's. They see Sunday mornings as God's time and then all the rest of the time. I'll do what I want to do. That's not the way it works. James said, a double-minded man, someone who is focused on two different things, somebody who is trying to root, somebody who is trying to root for LSU and Georgia. When they're playing each other, you're not going to know which direction the ball is going. You can't cheer them both on. You can't hope for them both to win. You can't do it. Heard a guy say one time, he said, a double-minded man is the one who buys a lottery ticket and prays to God to ask him to win, to help him win. He said a double-minded man, he's like David. He stood on the housetop. He found himself distracted. He found himself where he wasn't supposed to be. And he found himself caught up in adultery, fornication, and murder. It's not where he wanted to be. It's not where David's desire was from a young kid. David was David was a good man in God's eyes. But David became distracted. David became double-minded. In that he was trying to fulfill his flesh and his spirit. And Nathan came to him and said, David, what would you do with this man who took from one who only had one and, and, and took it? had him killed. David, what would you do with this man who committed murder? David, what would you do with this man who committed theft? David, what would you do? David said, he shall surely be put to death. Nathan said, thou art the man. And David's eyes was opened. At that point in time, he realized, I have been double-minded. I have tried to live for God and tried to live for myself, and I cannot do that. Proverbs chapter number 16, one more place and we're going to close. Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 1. The preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. I've always been mystified by that verse. We can justify anything we want in our mind, can't we? We can justify. We can make sense of it as crazy as it may be. We can justify almost anything in our own mind. He said, all the ways of men are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If you want to live a life that is not double-minded, if we want to live singularly committed to God, then we have to commit our ways to Him. We have to commit ourselves to Him. We have to commit our works to Him. We have to commit our life to Him. I heard a guy say one time, he said, if I'm committed to God, how am I supposed to go to work? Our work is our mission field. If I'm committed to God, how am I supposed to go to school? Our school is our mission field. If I'm committed to God, how am I supposed to go to the supermarket? Our supermarket is our mission field. Are there not people that we work with that need Jesus? Are there not people that we go to school with that need to hear about Christ? Are there not people that we run into at the feed store? That need to see God's love in us. I pray to God that we can all live singularly minded. That we can live fully committed and sold out to Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And if we're going to do that, we have to spend time with Him. If we're going to work out physically, we have to show up to the weight room, right? We have to. I spent three quarters of the day yesterday building a gambrel barn out behind my house. I spent the day climbing up and down the ladder and climbing up and down the roof. And Emily took a picture of me out there, and she said, this is why we need life insurance. Absolutely right. I got up this morning, and I got out of bed, and both my my, my thighs right here was hurting, climbing that ladder. You know how many days i spent in the weight room since I got out of high school? Not very many. And if you don't work out, you're going to hurt when you finally do it. If you don't work out to you, you can't expect to gain muscle. You can't expect to get bigger. And if we don't work out spiritually, how are we going to get closer to God? How are we going to call ourselves singularly minded? How are we going to be committed to God if we are not committed to God? Well, I have a verse of a song. That's a verse of invitation.